0: This is the GGC Life podcast. I want to dive into sharing in the season we're in right now. Like, we've, we've held back on purpose out of the leading of the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I need to somehow tell the whole story. So, people that have joined us this year or joined us for the last year, or even last two years, um, since we've been in this building, like in July, it would be two years since we t- took the keys of this building. Um, and we, we were in lockdown, if you remember. And we opened up in-person service because everyone wasn't allowed to have in-person service until the 20, uh, 2021. It was late, last Sunday of October is when we actually had our first service in this, in this space. And we're still renovating, as you remember, for those that were here. But just want to quickly give you a little bit of context, a little bit of story. We're going to look at the, the life of Gideon and the lessons that are in the life of Gideon. Because I think it's such a powerful thing. We're talking about this morning, Warwick giving us an encouraging word about courage about we need to take courage in this season. And I really that's, I think that's a very um, potent word in season because anytime you take the promised land, and for us as a church, so again, if you're here for the first time, please bear with us. We're trying to explain where we are at as a season. To some degree, we're taking, yes, the promised land. We're taking territory we never had before. There's a lot of things that are happening. It's almost like the children of Israel, where Joshua was going to lead them into the promised land, and there was the Jericho River. And the Lord through Joshua, Joshua said, um, Set yourselves apart, for the Lord is going to do mighty things and holy things. And then they had to walk through that river. Remember, they had to put their, you know, the, the priesthood, had to carry the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders, and they had to step into a flowing river. And usually in the natural, you go, well, Lord, stop the river and then we'll walk. Then we'll step into it. But they had to step into it while it's flowing. And it stopped way out there, kilometers and kilometers away. It stopped there at a heap and then it dried up and eventually they could walk over. But they had to walk in by faith. There's a lot of strategies in the Bible. When the people of God heard God to take the promised land, it, always took, it took faith. took courage to obey. And so some of you know that we as a church were pretty much we started in my mom's lounge room and that was 32 years ago 32 and a half years ago i was a very young man very 22 years old i started the church and in my mom's lounge room we had a heart and passion to reach people for jesus every you know like just and we saw people get saved the first 10 years of the church many many people come into the lord literally 80 percent of the church in the were saved in the church 80 percent were saved in the life of the church easily for the first 10 to 15 years of our church existence obviously in that in that history we always setting up setting down setting up setting down if you if you were with us you know the work that's involved you know what it's like to to set up and set down a whole place and uh, we've had leased buildings where it's fully set up but still you're paying a, a big amount of um, money for the lease and so on so after 30 plus years we lost our previous building it's a long story but we were paying about $120,000 rent for an amazing space in Five Dock and they were trying to get us to do double that to keep the space and we just thought no for the, for the space that it is and it's rent money we we could buy a building for that amount of money you know so we didn't believe it was the right thing to continue staying there or paying more rent to stay we felt well it's God's way of saying pushing the eagle, eaglets out of the nest and because we wouldn't have looked we were comfortable until we couldn't stay there we couldn't afford to stay there and the story I need to give you some of the story just so you see the hand of God you see all the stuff that God has done the miracles that God has done and if you might think, yeah, it really doesn't apply to me. It does apply to you because it's about the people of God and it's about the purposes of God and it's about the, the mandate that God has put on the church. So if you call yourself a part of the, this church family, then it actually becomes a part of what you are. It's like you, you, you belong. If you belong here, this is a part of your story now. And that's why it's good to know, oh, but, oh that's your history. So now you've come to this season, but I'm telling you, this is a history-making season as well. This is a phenomenal time to be a part of this church family because our future is way greater than our past. And we've seen God do some amazing things, but God's going to do some way more amazing things. And so we're going to be speaking about um, kingdom finances, but we're going to speak about the heart for the house and giving towards buying this building. So, But I want you to understand, yes, we're in this space. Yes, we're in this building and we renovated. But I want you to understand how that's happened so that you realize we still got to buy the building. We still got to close the deal. So, July coming up is where the two year lease that we agreed on is coming to a close. And then we buy this building, okay? But I'll explain that in a moment. So, as we lost that five dock building and we were looking, the moment we lost it, literally about a week later, I received a phone call from a Christian. Um, a real estate agent who was a friend and actually had come to our church. His name is Christian Morris, and he had this property in his portfolio to sell. And so he rings me straight away. I never forget. I'm outside my house. Rings me and says, "Hey, I've got a building that could really work for you for church." He had been looking for us for a few years to get us a building, and this property came into his hands, and um told us all about it and everything so the, the process started we looked at the building As soon as we came in I had already seen this building a number of years ago and I remember us saying wow this is a per-. I remember walking into there and go this is an amazing space what a great place for church and that's about it what it was you know we, we were in the Italian forum at that time and um but God hears your prayers even your little wishes even your little thoughts when you when you ask and um And he told us the price of the property, we did our best to get it as cheap as possible and all that sort of stuff. Um, And so the fact that Michael, who's the the current owner, the fact that he wanted to sell this property exactly when we needed it. So when we saw it, a week after that, I get a phone call from my friend called David Hagar, who lives in uh, Melbourne. I've known him for about 30 years and he's a prophet. He leads a church in Melbourne and he rings me and he says, Hey Leo, we just, we just got closed down into COVID. It was a COVID shutdown time. And he goes, Leo, I've just been waking up by the Lord last night and I keep getting the phrase double doors, double doors of inheritance. I really believe God is bringing you into buying your building and getting land and buying a building for the church. And even in this season of COVID. So, so I was quite shocked, I must say, because I thought, what? Because I just had seen this building two, two days ago. And now he's ringing me. And I said, have you sp-? I said, have you spoken to anyone? He goes, no. And I said, what about Matt? Have you spoken to Matt? No, I haven't spoken to Matt. There's only one person I spoke to about this building. And I trust 100% his word. And he, and he hadn't spoken to anybody. And I took that as a, a very encouraging prophetic word that God was saying right in this season, yes, I'm with you. I've given you this building. I want you to take it. Now this is the beginning stages because that was in 2020. At the end of 2020, we were going to lose our building in 2021 in June. And in 2021, we lost the building. We tried to get this building in time. We couldn't marry it, you know, like signing the the papers and getting the the deal done. And um, we had to put all our stock in storage. Three massive garages. We missed it by about a week. Because a week later, we got shut down again. Lockdown happened. We all got shut down. It sort of worked well for us because we didn't have to set up anywhere. We were all online again, right? We had to have church online. Remember those days? um and so we um were on we we're in shutdown and a week later I never forget it i left blacktown i felt like i was breaking the law because i'm not supposed to leave five kilometers outside of my radius but in that case i was allowed to do that i was allowed to make buy a building so anyway, we, we, we went to the solicitor's office i never forget it uh, we we had this we signed off in lockdown when when we don't know when you're gonna have service again and we bought 11 million dollar building It takes a lot of faith to sign and and empty your bank accounts. As a church, different bank accounts we had, we emptied everything to make up the loan of $1.2 million. Sorry, the deposit of $1.2 million. So we gave the owner $1.2 million. That's a 10% deposit, just a bit more than 10%, to close the deal. And then the deal was lease it for two years and then buy the building. Um, Before that, just backtracking before we signed, we had three months at that time two years ago we had three months to raise five hundred and fifty thousand dollars as a church and we were a little bit we're a lot more smaller than this but five hundred and fifty thousand dollars three months i remember in my thinking lord you're going to do that $550,0. wow are are people going to be generous are people going to give in my mind it's my just being honest with my transparency of my faith and my thoughts and in three months' time, we, by God's grace and your generosity, we raised $550,000 to close the deal of $1.2 million. The moment we signed, I mean, so much miracles along the way. I'll just show you the miracles. So much miracles along the way. The, the first Sunday that I shared the vision about giving for the $550,000 to get our building, the first Sunday, it's never happened. Think about this. This has never happened in the history of our Time to get as a church. So for 31 years or whatever it was back then, for 31 years has never ever happened, right? The first time I preached about the vision of raising 550,000, a first-time visitor, not someone in the life of our church that knows us, and but a first-time visitor just received an inheritance and sowed seventy-four thousand dollars on Tuesday of that week. That's never happened. That was like God encouraging, "I'm with you." Go do it, Leo. This is this is. I'm backing you. I mean, first time visitor. It's never happened in the history. Just don't, just don't think that happens all the time. All right, you, I wish. But that's that's amazing, right? You know, to do what God's called us to do. But seventy four thousand dollars was a lot of money. And so, wow, one person, at first time giver, don't even know the person, and they and they type. They trust us with that finances because of the vision that we presented. Right, and and um. So that obviously blew wind in our sail. The prophetic word from David Haggard blew wind in our sail. Um, A man by the name of uh, Matt Sorga prophesied about 10 years ago that he said he saw our church on a highway. And I thought that's a nice thing to say on a highway. Everyone can see it. And I just put it on a shelf. Christine and I put it on a shelf. We didn't really, really think about that much. But that was a prophetic word. This is a highway, by the way. This is the Western Highway, it's called, Parramatta Road. And, and, and so he saw it in the Spirit and prophesied it. We put it aside and, until we remembered, until the Lord opened up this, this door. Also with um, Sean Boltz, cut a long story short, he gave us a really powerful, accurate, prophetic word for Christina and myself and the church life. And then after, we went up to him to say hello and to say thanks for the word. And then Christine said, could you pray for us? We're, we're contending for a building, which was the acting center in, in Leichhardt, trying to buy that building. The cultural center, the Alt, uh, Italian cultural center. And he literally starts to close his eyes pray. And he goes, and we'll, we'll, everything was set up to buy that building. We, we, we took up offerings to buy that building. We were, we were, we were going to the administrator because it was in administration. We were going to solicitors, doing everything. It was almost ready to be done. And he goes, that's not the building. And he goes, I see another building. And he doesn't, I can't remember describing it because I didn't Listen. I'm thinking, um, you know, like you, must be you must be hearing God. I mean, this is it. You know, like our heart, our focus was set on that particular building. But he, he literally said, that's not the building. I can see the building. It's not there. I can't even remember if he said it was around the corner or, or, or it was nearby. But, but anyway, it, 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 it pays to listen to prophets. The Bible says, if you hear the prophets, then you shall prosper the bible says right listen to the prophets in process anyway so all these things were obviously very encouraging the moment i was saying when we signed and it took a lot of faith to sign this contract and take us as a people into what god has given us right and as we signed we emptied our bank accounts and um and so on and i remember we drove i, I drove back and again, this has never happened in the history of the life of the church, so don't think this happens a lot. <laughs> but it's just God's way of saying, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. When we got back, the time I got back, someone typed $10,000 that day. I went, wow, Lord, you, thank you, God. Because we just emptied our accounts. The next day, $10,000. The next day, $10,000. The next day, $10,000. It, it hit $100,000 in a week. And I think, God, you're with us. I'm being vulnerable and being sharing because I hardly ever share these sort of things publicly like this. Because you might think it's about money. It's not about money. We've stepped out to do what God's called us to do. For 30 years, we never owned a building. For 30 years, we're setting up, setting down, setting up, setting down. And the, the, the borrower, borrower is a servant to the lender. You become a servant. not just a, That word servant is slave. There's a reality of slavehood when you're in mortgage, when you have to pay a land. That's why we call them landlords. When you have to pay to, even if you own a house, and don't, you know, I've got a mortgage for, my, for our house. But even if you're paying a house, there's a degree of, you can't just get up and travel because you've got to make sure you keep earning money so that you, know, you can't just get up and do what God's called you to do in some cases because you've got to make sure you keep earning money to pay that thing. So there's an element of, I'm, I'm connected to this. I'm a slave to it because the Bible says, The borrower is a slave to the lender. And he actually says also in the Bible, your Bible, I want you to be the lender and not the borrower. He wants us to be free from all that. The economy, the way it's running, God wants us to detach ourselves from the economy and be connected to the kingdom economy. I'm telling you, there is a kingdom economy that operates a certain way. But if you're looking to the economy of this world to supply your needs, you'll be bound up in it. We won't even know why, but you know, you're know you struggling from paycheck to paycheck to pay the bills to just make it and pay this and pay that and pay that and you, you feel like you're just treading water. Something goes wrong, you go under financially. Something goes wrong and you lose your job or you do, something happens, it, it, you can't pay all the bills properly. Like That's not the way God intends us to, be, to live. I really don't believe that. I believe God wants us to live in such abundance, to rule and to reign in Christ Jesus. But there's a kingdom way in doing that. First of all, money's got to come out of you. You, got, you can't love money. The Bible says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. You know, Jesus himself says you can't love God and money. Mammon, the spirit of money, can't love both. Either you'll, you'll be devoted to one and hate the other, you'll be, or else you'll be devoted to this one and hate the other. You can't do it. So, so the, the spirit of, of materialism, and even thinking that materialism will give you security. If I make a lot of money and pay off all my homes, and then I'll be happy, then I'll be security. That's the spirit of mammon. Because it doesn't provide it. You can have all your homes paid off. You can have millions in the bank. It won't provide it if your money, your faith is in the money. I'm telling you it won't. Rich people have not peace of mind. It doesn't work that way. Because you can still worry about your millions. You can still worry about losing your millions. So please hear my heart. God wants us to be free from all that. And so in Gideon's story, just have a quick look at this. Um, first of all, in chapter if you've got your Bibles, Judges chapter 6, Judges chapter 6, and you're going to have a quick look from um, the last verse of chapter 5, which is, it says this, and the land was undisturbed for 40 years. In other words, they had peace and, and, and they didn't, didn't have any disturbance for 40 years. The next verse says, then the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. The, the, when the sons of Israel do what 's evil, it means they are worshiping false gods they 're sacrificing to idols they had they had idols up in the mountains and Astaroth, um, you know, got the god of Astaroth or the god of other gods and they would sacrifice to them they would create all these high temples in high mountains. And that's really evil in the eyes of the Lord, where the Lord said very clearly, you shall have no other false gods before me, but they've created all these idols. And, and because of that, it says, and the Lord gave them into the hands of the Midian, Midianites, Midianites or the Median." Seven years, the power of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midian, the sons of Israel made for themselves the dens which were in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. The Israelites were hiding and living in the caves. And for it was when Israel had sown seed and trying to get a crop to sustain themselves and to live that the Midianites would come up with Amalekites and the sons of the east and go against them. So they would come up against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel, as well as no sheep, no ox, no donkey, they would even take all the animals. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents. They would come in like locusts for numbers. Hundreds of thousands of the enemy would come in. Both they and their camels were innumerable and they came into the land to devastate it. So Israel was brought very low because of the Midian and the sons of Israel cried to the Lord. Can you see this picture? They're losing everything econ- economically. Economically. They, they can hardly sustain themselves. They can hardly feed themselves. They can, they're starving at some times. the people, The enemy will come in, hundreds and hundreds of thousands, and just take all their crops, take all their food, just help themselves and spoil them. Why? It actually says because they disobeyed God. They were walking in a place of disobedience. Verse 7, Now it came about when the sons of Israel cried to the Lord on account of Midian, They cried out to the Lord because of the bondage, the slavery that they were under, that the Lord sent a prophet to the sons of Israel and he said to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, it was I who brought you up from Egypt and brought you out from the house of slavery. Now this prophet is an unnamed prophet by the way, but he actually says, I'm the one who brought you up out of Egypt. I brought you out of slavery and bondage to bring you into freedom and a a land flowing with milk and honey. I wanted, you, I wanted you to build where you didn't build. I wanted you to take land and take land where you didn't sow. Um, he blessed them. He, and they had that for many years. I delivered you from the hands of the Egyptians and from the hands of all your oppressors and dispossessed them before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you, this is, but you have not obeyed the Lord. But you have not obeyed me. That's what the Lord said. But you have not obeyed me. In other words, because you did not obey me, you fell under this curse. You fell under this slavery. You fell under this lack. And you're walking under lack and slavery and struggling with the economy because you didn't obey me. And so Gideon, God calls Gideon. You know the story. God calls Gideon. I love this story for a number of reasons. Um, The angel of the Lord appears to him. And the first thing the Lord says to him through the angel, the Lord is with you, O valiant, valiant warrior. The Lord is with you, you valiant warrior. He didn't feel like a valiant warrior. He's hiding in the wine press and making his wheat and, 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 and making bread to survive. So he can hide it from the Midianites because the rest are still that as well. It's a courageous thing to do because he's risking his life. He's making bread for his family and so on. So it is a courageous thing. I don't think it's, a, it's, not a, it's not a weak thing to do. He's not scared. He's actually doing something for his family, I believe. And, but yet Gideon responds with saying, because he says, then, then verse 13, then Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our, our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us the hand of the Midian. The Lord looked at him and said, Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? I mean, the angel of the Lord said to Gideon, Gideon, you go in this your strength. You actually have the strength to set them free. Gideon didn't actually believe it because he goes, Oh Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh. And I am the youngest in my father's house. I don't have the responsibility. I don't have the power. I don't have the, the, the authority that all my older brothers have. Uh, and we are the least in all of Manasseh. And I'm the youngest in my family. I mean, you're choosing me. That sometimes we feel like that, don't we? You're choosing. You can, we can say this for us as a church family. You're choosing us for this kingdom vision and kingdom endeavor and kingdom purpose of buying this building. Well, He is, because it's an, I believe, a, 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 well, it's a key in our obedience to say, God, yes, we will trust you. Yes, we will obey you. We, we've we've, we've we had many faith journeys, many faith, um, what's the word, a, events and obediences to God to get to us, to get to this place here. But God brought us here, and I can tell you, miracle after miracle after miracle of God's amazing amazing provision um he he, he has an encounter with the angel cut a long story short he says he says the angel can you just wait here see he's the angel doesn't look like an angel he he looks like a human and he says but he knows he's the angel of the lord but he makes some food for him and he gives it to him and he pretty much says if you are the angel of the lord can you do this if if this is you speaking to me he's trying to find out as if if this is the will of god is it really you speaking to me? So he takes what he's sacrificed, what he's cooked up, puts it on the rock. The angel with his staff touches, and fire comes out of the rock and burns it all up, burns up the sacrifices. And then, and then he, didn't, it really was the angel of the Lord. Now, why did he get so shocked? Because he looked like a human. Because angels, if Hebrews, the book of Hebrews says, be uh, be aware that when you entertain angels, be aware you sometimes might entertain. Uh, when you sorry, when you entertain strangers, sometimes you entertain angels. Because you can't even tell the difference sometimes. They don't come like all glowing all the time. They can just come in a human form. I believe he, he wasn't sure until he touched. And then he was shocked that it was, was the angel of the Lord. And he goes, wow, I've just seen the Lord face to face. And the, Lord said, and the angel said, it's okay. It's all right. He just had an encounter with God. Had a supernatural encounter with God. And that was one of his first times basically saying, Lord, is it really you? You really want me to do this? You know, Show me by this supernatural Encounter and he did. God had no problem with it. Then you know the story. Gideon. I mean, first God asked Gideon, I'll just brief this. First God asked Gideon to, to tear down the idol up on the mountain that his father put there. And the Bible says, we haven't got time to get for every single thing, but the you read the chapters, chapter six, all there. The Bible says, Gideon said, Because I'm too afraid to do it at in the daytime, because of the servants of my father's household. I'll do it at night time. Can you see that he's got fear? But he's still obeying. I can't do it during the day because I'll be seen, I'll be caught, and they'll kill me for it. He literally thought that they'll kill him, execute him. And so he does it at nighttime with 10 servants, and he pulls it down, gets a second bullock, two bulls, and sacrifices it on the right altar. pulls down the wrong one and builds one for the Lord, and sacrifices it. That's a picture of us sacrificing something that costs you something. Because a bull in those days, it gives you a lot of income. It works for you. It works your land. You need it. It's like, it's like an expensive tractor. When you buy a tractor, you're doing well as a farmer. You buy another tractor, another tractor, you're prospering. And this bullock is, is a picture of that. He sacrifices something that cost him something for the Lord. Cut a long story short, they found out and they actually said, let's execute him. And his dad speaks up and says, why do you have to execute him? If, if that's a real God, if Astaroth is a real God, then let him defend himself. Baal, actually. In, uh, let Baal worship, uh, defend himself. Do you have to defend Baal? If he's a real God, why don't you defend him? And then they called him the defender of Baal. They called Gideon the defender of Baal. Uh, something like to contend for ba- Baal because Baal didn't. And he didn't die. And no one killed him. But the father had to stop everyone from executing him. What that tells me is you got you need to face the generation of your past, your fathers, your mothers, and stuff that they allowed in their lives. You got to pull down the idols, or else it'll come onto you. You got to face the fear. You got to face it. No, yes, my mum, my dad did this, and I did that, and didn't do this, and didn't do that, and maybe they didn't, my parents didn't know the Lord like I know the Lord. They weren't born again Christians, but I can't have all the excuses of all oh, that did this and that. And, that, and that's what on my life. No, I got to pull it down. Face the idols in your life and pull it down. I believe Gideon had to do these things before he was in a place where he could set all of Israel free. And you know the story. I love this story because he gathers everybody for the, for the war. The army of the Midianites Amalekites, and, and all those ites were already up on the hill all surrounding Israel. There were hundreds of thousands. I think that some, of the, some say the number was like 135,000 people ready to fight. They were camped ready to war. And so, if, so Gideon, being the, being the leader, he calls for the Israel armies to come. And he ends up getting 32,000 people to fight. And I reckon Gideon's thinking, oh, Lord, 32,000, that's not enough. 32,000, how are we going to take on 135 plus people, probably more? This is full on. I'm sure he's thinking this is going to be too much. But the Lord says, you got too many. The Lord says, if you win with 32,000 people, you're going to say, we did it. We delivered ourselves. You're going to boast that you did it in your own strength. I want everyone to know and I want you to know that it was only God, only God could do this. So he says to them, this is interesting. Go talk to your army and say, anyone that's afraid, let them just go home. Good. Hang a sec. You're about to have war. You're about to fight. If you ask any army that's about to face a real war, if you ask the Ukrainian army that's about to face Russia, if you're afraid, just go home. I think you lose more than half. They actually lost two thirds. They got up. How many of them? 22,000 thousand. We're honest and said, yep, we're afraid. And, and guy says, let them go home. Even for us, for us to take this promised land, for us to take what God's called us to do, we've got to have faith. We've got to have courage. I'm asking you, bottom of my heart, if you've got fear, then don't give. Don't give in this offering that we're going to receive. We're going to receive an offering for this physical building in early June. And I'm I'm asking, as your leader, and we're, we're leading by example, but I'm asking to ask God, what should I give? Notice how I didn't say, what can I give? What should I give? Because it takes faith to give. And you're going to give out of obedience to God. That's it. you following me? Just, all I'm asking you is just to hear God. If you don't want to give, then don't give. Because it has to be a willful offering. It has to be willing to give. I want to give. Please don't ever give out of necessity or out of manipulation or out of guilt out of condemnation I better because he's asked me to no you give it out of faith because I actually believe in the vision I believe in the kingdom I believe this is going to extend and bring the kingdom forward the Bible actually says Jesus says if you seek first can everyone say first? First. if you seek first the kingdom and his righteousness all these things that the world goes after the Gentiles go after the food, the the money, the, the houses all these things will be added to you you've got to seek first a kingdom there's something about seeking first a kingdom something powerful about that that God says I trust you because you actually care about the kingdom first that's why I believe the, the the principle and the pattern of tithing is a very powerful powerful truth in the word of God because we bring the first fruits unto God and for his purposes before I even pay for my bills and my expenses I bring the first fruits 10% before God said God use this for your kingdom and I'm tr- putting my trust that you'll take care of me and he always has Every single person that tithes, I, I don't see anyone lacking when you tithe in faith. Now if you tithe in unbelief and tithe out of your head because someone else asked you to do and, you, and you're, you're speaking unbelief over your life and over your finances, then it won't work. It's not a magical thing. It's a faith thing. It's a faith thing with God. So seeking first the kingdom of God and all His righteousness. The Bible also says this, where your treasure is, your heart is also, doesn't it? So if... if what I'm saying right now is maybe stretching you, maybe challenging you. You might be even feeling a little bit angst. What's he talking about this for? Can't believe he's talking about money. What's he talking about money for? Like, I don't know. If you're feeling uncomfortable, maybe, just maybe, money's still got a hold of you. And if that's the case, you want to get you want to know how to break out of it? By giving. It really is because where you're... Treasure is, that's where your heart is also. If money is your treasure, put it into the kingdom. The kingdom becomes your treasure. It'll stretch you. It might feel, your flesh will get a bit uncomfortable sometimes. But when you give it to the king and for his kingdom purposes, it'll break the spirit of fear and unbelief. Because most of us don't give because of lack of faith, lack of unbelief. And we just have have, um, a lack mindset, what I would call a poverty mindset. Now we've seen God come through in big ways. I mean, in our personal life, it's testimony after testimony after testimony. Sometimes we don't even use our own personal life because I want you to see that God does it for every single person. Not because we're a preacher or a pastor or a full-time person. No, it's every believer. This is the access to every believer. I'm 100% sure about that. There was a a friend of ours, a partnering church, a partner in my last year, who who, who gathered everything they had to buy a building. They had a $30,000 deposit. They spoke to all their elders. He rang me and he says, Leo, we've been praying about it. And we spoke to all the elders. We want to sow this $30,000 into your uh, building because you're, you're trusting God to buy this building. This was almost two years ago. Just when we needed that $550,000. So I was shocked. I was blessed. I was encouraged. I said, thank you so much. It really, it really encourages when other people believe in the vision. And that they, it really is a blowing wind in your sail of faith. And so we were touched and blessed. Two weeks later, they, that church that gave to us $30,000, received a $90,000 offering from another partnering church overseas, went into their accounts. They emptied their bank account. They were trusting God for a building. And guess what? I just found out a few months, about a few weeks ago, that that church that gave the $90,000 had three hundred and fifty dollars or $400,000 debt to their building, got wiped down in one person giving offering. One time. Because what you sow, you shall also reap. When you sow towards the spirit, you'll reap eternal life. And you'll reap the seed that you sow it in. When you sow a seed, when you sow a seed, whatever type of seed it is, it will come back. It'll it'll grow, it'll reap. I don't look for it. Please hear my heart. I really don't. I don't give because I want to receive, I just know it will come. It's like a farmer. He sows seed knowing he'll reap a harvest. He knows. It's an expectation. Well, I'm sowing seed before. Because if I want tomato, tomatoes to grow and tomato, tomato harvest, I'm going to make some nice Italian sauce. I have to put tomato seed. I don't put mango seed and expect tomato seed. So whatever seed I put, I expect it to come back. It's what I do with it when it comes back that will determine my heart. And why I'm doing it. You know what I'm saying? Like that rich man where he made massive harvests and he built bigger barns. He was just hoarding it, building bigger barns. But if if I'm giving and receiving and I'm doing it for the kingdom, I'm tapping into the economy of the kingdom. My God, think about this for a second. My God will supply all your needs and it's talking to the, the, the church in Philippi who were givers to the apostolic ministry of Paul. They will give it because no one has given in, in, in the area of giving and receiving no one giving and receiving no one has done what you've done for me. So I know my God will supply all your needs according to your riches, and to, sorry, according to his riches in glory. Where? In glory, in Christ Jesus. The riches isn't according to this economy, the riches are according to God's glory. But it is to a sower. So there's another scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And nine, it says, God supplies seed to the sower. So, my encouragement is, become a sower, because he, he supplies seed to the sower. So, even if you're listening, I don't know if I've got any faith to even give. I don't know if I've got budge, money in the, my budget to give. I don't know if I've got enough finances, we're totally stretched. I couldn't give to the church or the kingdom. Then, have faith to ask God to give me the seed. Give me a seed that I don't have, because he, he, he supplies seed. To the sower. If I become a sower in my heart, I'm telling you, God can get it to you. I know it because He's done it all the time. So our heart's going to be, okay, Lord, I want to become a, se- a giver. I want to be generous. God's trying to teach us to be generous. That's really the issue here. And so if you become a sower, He brings seed to the sower. My encouragement, because we are going to receive a, a, this offering in early June. But well, I encourage you, if you, have, if you have finances in your bank and you say, you know, I could give $1,000 I can give $2,000, I can give five I can give whatever you can give. I can give $100. Because the money is not the issue. Because the widow that gave two mites gave more than everyone else, they gave out of their abundance. They gave out of their abundance. In other words, it didn't move them. If I'm a wealthy, wealthy man and I give $100,000, but I'm a billionaire, it doesn't even move me. These wealthy, wealthy people in the days of Jesus gave to the treasury out of their abundance. Jesus says, it doesn't even move me. Didn't even get His attention. This widow that gave her only two mites, everything she had to live on, and she gave it, that moved Jesus. Why did it move Jesus? Because it moved her. It, it, it would have stretched her heart. It moved her. It moves a widow to give the last meal to the prophet Elijah it would move you I mean I don't know if we could do that I mean she heard God but imagine your last meal and your, your attitude is we're going to eat this me and my two sons and we're going to die because this is it and, the, and Elijah says give it first to me and then God will multiply and you'll have enough right through the famine and she did she trusted the word of the prophet and gave it to him first and it multiplied after she gave it's all over the Bible I, I really want to encourage us don't be afraid because why I say give, give something now because then, you see, you're a seed sower and then you, He would give you more, more, more seed. Like if you're thinking, oh Lord, I want to give 5,000 just as a number. If I want to give whatever amount you're thinking, I want to give that amount, but I don't have that amount. Then give a small part of that amount now. That seed will keep coming because He brings seed to the sower. Or else you're going to wait. Oh, oh Lord, bring me the money in when I'm ready to give then. Just learn to give what you can give. He that, the Bible talks about um, he that have much, gathered much. And he who had little, gathered. In other words, if you had a small family, you gathered a little bit from the manna. You just needed enough for that. You just gather that. But if you had a big family, you gather more manna. And it actually talks about giving out of what you have. I can't expect for you to give what you don't have. But we do give what we do have and it will stretch us. It would mean something to us. If I can say it this way, I'm trying to really be real with you because I knew this was going to happen two years into this, thinking, Lord, we're going to buy this. We're going to take this building, but we're taking it the other way around because we're going to take it, possess it, enjoy it, and then the people have to give towards it. Do you understand what I'm saying? And And the Lord said, Leo, just be honest. Just be honest with them. The reality is, we have to know the reality. The reality is, if we all now, this is an absolute impossibility because Christy and I are already doing something, but if we we all did nothing, we would lose this building. We'd have to leave and and set up somewhere in a function center. That's the reality. That's absolutely the reality. If we all right now chose not to fight, not to take courage, not to be generous, not to walk in faith, and we all just absolutely did nothing whatsoever, we'd have to give them the keys. And walk out. We don't want. I mean, we know that's not going to happen because we, we can all do something. All I'm asking us to do is let's all do something. Many have already. Please hear my heart. Many have already given and given. Like there's, there's about four hundred and eighty thousand dollars in our bank account right now, but we're trusting God for more than one point seven million dollars. That's a lot of money. 1.7 million. But you know what? God can write a one million dollar check. You can be listening on, on this, on social media right now. You, you can be the person to go, hey, I'm going to give you a, a million dollars. We've had prophecies that people would give a million dollars towards this building. I've had people say to me a number of times, Leo, when my money comes in because I've got some investments, I want to sell a million dollars to this building. And you know what? We need to release our faith. That we can pay 10 million and pay it completely off. Because at the moment we plan to get a loan with the Baptist Financial Services. Not that we're Baptist background, but we're, we're, we're in one church and we're in a relationship with them and you know, we're in good relationship and they will give us 70% of the value of this building and we have to come up with a third. But doesn't mean we cannot pay it off. So if you have a spare million and you want to sow it, please do. There are people out there that have a spare 10 million or a spare million. But I do believe even if there was someone there with a $10 million offering, I would love to see us first own it and pay a price so I, want, I, I was a part of that we gave we sacrificed it's something about giving we don't want to be spoilt. you know when someone's really really wealthy and the kids get absolutely everything everything handed to them they don't even know how to work they don't appreciate things you can spoil someone I don't want to be a sport bride or a sport church I want us to say you know what well, we help make this happen because with Gideon's He's got 10,000 now. Gideon's going, What? got 10,000? Honestly, there's still too many. 10,000? I thought 32 wasn't enough. Go get them to drink. And so they went to drink, and the ones that went like this they lapped with the water, they totally forget about their surroundings. He goes, And I'll, I'll separate the ones that drank like this. Sword in the hand, and they drank the water like that. Not good news for Gideon, but there's 9,700 men that went to the ordnable fours and just drank like a dog. And God says, take those 9,700, separate them and ask him to go home. Now he's got 300. Now think about this for a moment. If you can show the picture, if if Magdalene can show the picture of the 300. These 300 men, that have the torches and the trumpets. There's a valley, hundreds of, hundreds of thousands of people ready for, for war. They surrounded here, the, the place. The Bible says we went in three groups of hundreds. One follow me, hundred people follow me, hundred people follow that person, hundred people follow, They surrounded the army. And you know the story. But don't you reckon it takes courage to do this? You're coming close to the enemy and you're going to blow a trumpet. They're going to see you. They're gonna, sorry, they're going to hear you. You're going to wake them up. They're going to hear you. And you're going to have a light so they can see you you're Like you're up on the mountain and you're telling the enemy, we're here, we're surrounding you. But there's only 300 of them. And the, the torch, and what happens is when you're there and you're in the pitch black darkness, you wake up and all you see is that they have the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. That's what they were told to scream. It's the top of their voices. They thought there was a massive army coming to attack them. And they got up in their fear, started killing each other. Remember, there's different nations that came together, so they didn't fully trust the other nations, and they just went. Ah! And they started slaughtering slaughtering each other. Then they started running towards the ocean, towards the coastline. And I didn't see this before, but Gideon went to get the men again and called all the men and to fight. And they came off and finished them off. But it took three hundred people to have the courage. To say, God, we're going to do it. It's a crazy strategy. You might think, oh, that's a great idea. But it takes faith to obey. So I'm encouraging us. Own. If you say, I'm a part of this church, just own it with us. Let's all own it. Let's all do something. Let's all carry weight towards giving, towards buying this building. I believe my heart and our faith as an eldership team, our faith is, I keep thinking about this, we want to smash it out of the park. You know the cricket you know you can do little ones and they're good, little twos and little runs and maybe little fours. but what about when you smash it out of the park? I believe God wants abundance, and I'm telling you it's a key for, for, for abundance in your personal life because it's your way of saying I'm going to put God's kingdom first and just be. be encourage be challenged yes to obey what god puts on your heart and we, christina and i are going to give and it, it, it'll stretch us it'll it moves us it'll move god if it doesn't move us i don't believe it moves the heart of god it moved the heart of god where cornelius used to give every used to give to arms to the poor And he used to pray at three o'clock in the afternoon. Arms to the poor. He used to give as a rich man. He used to give to other people in need. And the Bible says it went up as a memorial before God. It got God's attention. And actually says, send an angel, get his attention, tell him where to hear salvation. That's the greatest thing you could ever have in this earth is salvation. So let's pray. We're going to be speaking into this the next few weeks. And let's, let's just trust God together. Together it's going to be a, a miracle of miracles. We're going to look back and go, wow, Lord, we don't know how You're going to do it, but we know You're going to do it. Yes. The Gideon army, the 300, they didn't know how God's going to do it. They just trusted and obeyed. And we're going in. If I can just show you that last picture with the Red Sea, if Evangeline's there. Sorry. Um, I love this picture because if, in my spirit, I keep seeing it's like... The Red Sea opening up two years ago, and we we're taking the children of Israel to walk through because they got stuck there. And the Lord said to Moses says, Lord, Lord, and the Lord said, Wait, crying out to me. Be still and know the salvation of our God. Be still and know. And so the Lord told them, Stretch forth your your, your t- staff, and the Red Sea opened up. And it feels like a two-year walk. When you walk through and you're taking the people in for two years. You're so excited that the walls are up. They're all the miracles that I just spoke about. All those miracles, all those testimonies, all those great, amazing things that took place. It's because the walls are up. And we're walking through seeing God doing a great deliverance from the bondage that was in Egypt. But when you're walking through with your army and your children, your family, and your belongings, you go, Lord, keep the walls up. Keep the walls up. Oh, God, keep the walls up. I know it's you. Keep them up. But then the Lord said to me, read the end of the story. And when they all came through, God spoke to Moses, says, Moses, you speak to the sea. Stretch forth your staff and let the waters come down. God told Moses to speak to the sea. So the authority we have as men and women and sons and daughters of God. So our confession has to believe God, you're well able. As a family, you're well able to do this. Not, oh Lord, how are you going to do it? I don't know how he's going to come up with all that money. No, God, you're able to do it. Amen. don't have to work it out here. Just believe it here. Lucy had a vision when she was praying of a boat. I hope it was a massive big boat. But she said she saw a boat with oars and they're all o- oaring, rowing together. Something powerful when you row all together. But if you're all distracted and everyone's doing their own thing and someone lost their oar and the other person's not oaring and the other person's busy on his phone and the other person's reading a book the other person's doing his own thing and we're not oaring, you lose the momentum. So it's this all in rowing with your oar. The little bit that your oar do, that you can do with the water, pushes you forward. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank You. For Your abundant generosity towards us. We've seen miracle after miracle after miracle, Father. But we thank You that You have given us a great abundance in Jesus. in given us eternal life. And given us forgiveness of sins. And given us healing, deliverance, freedom. That Jesus bore our sicknesses, diseases, sin and death. Spirit, soul and body to completely set us free in every area and give us spiritual blessings in every area of our life. And Lord, we thank You. Because of Jesus, we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. So in this area, Lord, bring financial abundance into their life. Bring seed to the sower. Every person that's willing to give, bring seed. Lord, multiply their seed sown. Lord, as they sow seed, we thank you for 30, 60, 100 fold return than what they give. In the name of Jesus, we decree it, we declare it, and we agree together. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the GGC Life podcast. We hope you feel encouraged. Be blessed.